everyone, and welcome to the homecoming preview episode of the 2021-2022 Roden Fellows podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jones-Smith, a broadcast journalism major at The Mecca, Howard University. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by two other fellows, Alexis Davis from North Carolina A&T, who's also producing this episode. Hey, hey, everyone. Calvin Sykes from Florida A&M University. What's going on, everyone? and Trey Ingram, former president of a and Student University Activities Board. Hey, everyone. Excited to talk to you. So last week, Howard and Hampton had their 96 football matchup, and this time it was in the inaugural Truth and Service Classic at Audi Field, and to continue the fight for the title of The Real HU. Alexis, you were there at the game, so can you kind of tell us more about what that experience was like? Yeah, um, it was definitely different going to the game um, with a press angle versus just going as a fan or somebody who just wanted to enjoy the game. Um, it was only my own. It was only my second time in the press box, so that was really cool. Um, I networked with a lot of people in the press box. I also did have field access to get so to get to see everybody up close and personal. Also, um, I was able to get a Howard touchdown up close and personal um, on film for the undefeated social media. I also did get to see um, Kamala. Harris uh, up close and personal I got to shake her hand so that was an experience that I never thought that I was going to get we also did have a couple of other celebrity appearances um Giselle from Real Housewives of Potomac she was there very kind very friendly um she definitely was the opposite of what the housewife persona kind of gives off she was definitely very personable in person but I will have to say the fifth quarter kind of showed me a different side of Howard because usually you know you guys are showing off but you all did leave during the fifth quarter I know I know but I must I must say although we didn't win the game we all already know that Howard is the real HU and speaking of rivalries and intense football games, the best time in the HBCU world is approaching, which is homecoming. And from the hip hop concerts to the step shows and even to the tailgates, HBCU homecomings just can't be beat. But this year, it's kind of taking on a new look because a lot of universities have decided to cancel either the majority or all of their events. And although homecoming is for current students to enjoy, it was truly made to welcome alumni back home. And the new guidelines for a lot of the universities seem to kind of encourage alumni to skip homecoming this year. So Alexis and Trey, since you guys are both from NCAT, how do you two feel about NCAT's homecoming procedures for this year? Um, so for me, I did realize, you know, there's no tailgating, there's no gathering at the plots, there's no Aggie Fan Fest, there's no parade. Um, I am, you know, happy for our Miss A&T that we're still having coordination. Um, the fashion show is definitely a big deal because you mean Jiho is a fashion show anyway. Um, so since we're having our annual fashion show, that's still exciting, you know, concert, pep rally, step show. Um, but I still don't think it'll be the same because I feel like, you know, a lot of us, you know, since we are on campus, we get excited to see the alumni. Also, it is a chance for us to network. And I'm sure a lot of alumni are disappointed that they aren't able to come. But I do think because of just the world, you know, us being a pandemic, it is the best, you know, time for them to, you know, sit this one out. Yeah, I um, I definitely think that Alexis was, as she was naming a lot of the events, you know, it, it just was more so catering towards, you know, the current students. So that's why it's like, huh, you know, it's a little different, but I kind of understand, you know, given the world that we're in. 
Right. I can definitely agree that with the way that the world is going, it is understandable. So Calvin, can you kind of tell us about FAMU and what you guys are doing for homecoming? Um, so the one thing about the FAMU um, is doing, um, and I credit our student government um, president, Carrington Wiggum, um, she's keeping everything under wraps. So at the time of this recording of this podcast, I don't know. However, um, we are having a, a reveal show tonight to basically announce the homecoming um, official lineup. From what I can tell you, um, most of our events will be outside due to protocol, um, due to protocol for COVID. Um, so everyone is expecting this to be a real homecoming, a revival of it since we missed last year. Okay, so FAMU kind of still gets to have things just, just a little normal, as close to normal as you guys could possibly have it. So that's good. It kind of shows that not everybody is going to have to suffer and go through the new procedure. So that's good. And as for Howard, we are one of the many schools that have opted to host a hybrid homecoming. Um, our football game is still gonna be in person, but other stuff like Yard Fest and the tailgate and other annual events are being held virtually. And honestly, as disappointing as that is, I definitely can't say that I'm shocked. I think that Howard, along with some other schools kind of made unrealistic promises by saying that homecoming would be held in person. And I only feel that way because I think there weren't really changes in COVID numbers at the time that that was announced. So I think that maybe if they would have taken a little more time to kind of see what was going on, see how the semester panned out, see how things went when students got back to campus and then announced something about homecoming that would have kind of alleviated a lot of the disappointment that people were feeling. But for me, when I got the email saying that it was gonna be hybrid, I wasn't shocked at all whatsoever. So now we're gonna have a blast from the past and discuss with Trey how Jiho used to be and his experiences kind of planning Jiho and his current thoughts. So welcome Trey and thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Of course. So were you planning on traveling back to Greensboro for homecoming this year? I was highly considering it, I was waiting to see the schedule, I just actually relocated to Los Angeles. So I was like, I'm only going to go all the way back if it's, you know, like a really good schedule of events. Um, and then I saw the events and, you know, I saw how a lot of things were shifted during the week and there wasn't a lot of things on the weekend uh, for alumni. So I decided to just pass on it and probably do something locally with a lot of Aggies that are around. Right. And that I'm sure was a difficult decision because with homecoming, you of course want to be home, but do you think that the university is doing the right thing? You know, um, this is an interesting, <laughs> that's a really good question because I look at it from, you know, the health perspective, but also coming from someone who, you know, planned a, the entire last homecoming kind of knows a lot of the protocols. Um, it's just looking at how the events go, it seems as though like a lot of the events that make money are still happening, but you know, not a lot of the things that would have been just free and open on a Saturday. So it's questionable, but I definitely think that, you know, they're making sure that students are safe on campus. Right, right. So I think like a really large part of 
homecoming, of course, is the fashion. So why do you think that the fashion is so important for HBCU students during GHO? Man, oh man. I mean, we already dress up like throughout the week as if we have something going on, but it's just like fried chicken Friday. But homecoming is like the one time that you're going to see everybody again. So it's like you want to get your best fits off, I think. So you just want to show that, you know, you're in the best place. And homecoming is just like a big cookout. And, you know, it's just like a good time. Everyone's taking pictures. So I definitely think like fashion and how everyone's dressing and the self-expression of it all is so important. And that's really what makes, you know, homecoming so vibrant and fun. Right. And I'm from California and I can definitely say nobody here dresses the way that HBCU students would dress during homecoming. So if you and your friends do end up doing things in L.A., are you guys still going to dress up? Oh, of course. I'm sitting here looking at my clothes now like I'm going to have to find something during that week because it's always Aggies always, you know, have to show out. So, <laughs> of course, of course. So what do you think about students constantly complaining about the artist lineup and forgetting how much work goes into locking in these artists for homecoming? My goodness, this this question is kind of like the entire pit of my experience being president. Alexis went to A&T, so she definitely knows from the student perspective how it feels. And I would love to hear her perspective on like the student lineup, because I have I was involved with planning homecoming my entire uh, experience in college, so I didn't really get the student perspective. But I can completely understand that students complain because they don't know the amount of work that it takes to get an artist. I think that a lot of artists just think that you hit somebody. I think a lot of students just think that you hit an artist on Instagram and you figure out if they're free and you know that's how the process goes, but there's a lot of business behind it. There's a lot of relationships within the industry where certain artists don't wanna do shows with a lot of artists. Um, and there's a lot of things with budget, especially because <laughs> student, I, I had to work with a very minimal budget and still, you know, try to provide the best experience for students. So there's a lot that goes into it, but students just don't know those. So, you know, it's kind of hard having to explain to them while, you know, still giving them the joy of just being surprised with everything. Right, right. And Alexis, from a student perspective, what do you think about that? Uh, well, for me, it's a little bit different because, you know, I do, you know, have my hands in multimedia. So for me, I know how hard it is just to schedule an interview with somebody that's busy or has celebrity status. So I can only imagine, you know, what the work that it takes to actually schedule somebody in person, because I know how hard it is to even schedule interviews, you know, a 15, 20 minute interview, let alone travel, the business expense and everything like that. So I can only imagine. So honestly, I mean, I think very highly of the people that play a homecoming. I mean, it's literally called the greatest homecoming on earth. So the fact that you have to execute year after year, you have to listen to student opinion, alumni opinions, you know, you can't satisfy everybody. So I feel like as long as they are planning Jiho with the students in mind and with the alumni in mind and doing what's best for them and kind of, you know, taking in consideration all of their interests, I really don't, you know, see what the big hoopla is about. I also think, you know, a lot of people forget too that there's a lot of small businesses in, in G, I'm sorry, a lot of small businesses in Greensboro, and they depend on GHO to pay their bills for the whole year. So by us not having, you know, alumni and all these people coming back, a lot of these businesses are, you know, they might face some financial troubles. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Right. And for a lot of these artists, I'm sure booking them is not something that's cheap. So what did the budget look like for you to book these artists and to create what is known as the greatest homecoming on earth? 
Oh, you asking the questions. Um, so I don't know if I've ever gotten like a set amount. I definitely know that we have spent in the triple digits. Um, you know, there are some artists that literally cost $325,000. There's, I'm pretty sure, I, I know that we spent $90,000 on Ari Lennox and she was one of our lowest billed artists on the, on the bill. So it's, people don't realize, but these artists are not cheap to get up there and sing their five songs, you know? So you have to take into account so much, um, you know, different artists charge different amounts, you know, you got to take into account their touring, you know, there's so much between that. And especially within the budget, you know, you've got to cover everything for an artist for them to get out there for stuff in their dressing room. So there's just definitely so much that goes into planning a homecoming that I just think that is overlooked. And the budget is just one small piece that is really the biggest part to it. So who would you say was the biggest artist that you guys have been able to get so far? Oh man, for mine, in all of my years, I'm trying to think who would be like the biggest artist. I know on our lineup, we definitely had 21 Savages, our headliner. That was like, you know, the big score for me, I think, because it was just so hard to lock in an artist. And, you know, now I feel like 21 Savage is much more appreciated than he was back then. But, you know, um, I definitely think that he was a pretty big artist and he was not cheap at all either. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, definitely. And at Howard, we kind of had some some good artists in our time. We've had Drake before, we've had Lil Uzi before, and I can only imagine how much that took for, you know, the people who were planning that homecoming to get those celebrities there. So how important would you say it is to have a great team helping you put this together? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm definitely not the only one who plans homecoming. Um, I was elected and I have a co-chair or I had a co-chair and we, you know, took the task of essentially planning every single homecoming event for the students on campus. And then we had to you know, plan the lineups and then even the stuff, you know, like the little events that we have throughout the weeks. Um, we came up with these jersey pop-ups for AT. So we had to figure out the logistics of that. So I had myself and a co-chair and we got really lucky. Um, one of my line brothers actually ended up getting put on the team as well. So it was a team of three of us. And then we also have our eboards um, you know, help us out, you know, when the events actually come to work the events, because, you know, you got to have people on the ground, especially at our events, like the pet rally, it gets, you know, really rowdy. So you got to have people working all of those events and, you know, it's really hands-on and you really got to trust your team. So it's so important. I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, and it's definitely so important that you have a group of people that you can trust and really rely on during homecoming because it can get crazy. Exactly. So what are some events that you would say you guys didn't get to fulfill in 2020 that you would like to see brought back one day? Oh my goodness. This just such a painful question because right before the pandemic hit last year, we were about to announce our Aggie Fest plans. Um, I put out like a little teaser on my Instagram and everything it was going to be like kind of dream themed you know uh we were planning to do a whole we were bringing back the carnival in our football stadium and we were going to have like a sound stage so it was still going to have that festival vibe we were going to have a couple artists come and have a lot of local talent so it really had that festival and fair vibe at the same time but the pandemic hit and it, it wiped it out before we could even announce that um so that was something that I definitely hope that they're able to bring back in the future because it's something that hasn't been done but yeah that's just one thing that I always think of that I wish the students could have experienced right of course and we're hoping that someday sometime soon we'll be able to 
bring back all of the things that we've been missing within homecoming and just the college experience in general of out of all this time. So I want to know, what does the day in the life of a president look like? Oh my goodness, it's triggering. So I think of homecoming specifically. Um, Alexis, oh my gosh, you, you know, you're a lot in the press. Like I would have to do interviews and that's another thing, president, um, you know, you always have to do the brand management of the homecoming too. So I had to promote the events. So I would have to do press very early in the morning, right before we would even do any of the events. So at five in the morning, four in the morning, I would be awake to interview with WXII and different local news stations to kind of talk about the events that we have going on planned for the week. And then I would actually still have to go to class throughout the week. So I would have an 8 a.m., you know, I would go to class and uh, then we would have like the jersey pop-ups that were like midday. So I would have to go and leave class and then go and hand out all these jerseys for homecoming to current students. And mind you, this is all happening before it's even 12 o'clock. Like, um, so then, you know, then we have to get into all the events in the evening and, you know, I have to work those events, set up those events. And that kind of starts at four o'clock and then it just goes all the way into the evening. And that's just probably one day of homecoming. Um, and then homecoming for us is that entire week and plus the weekend. So it's definitely very intensive. Um, I felt like I had to have somebody just constantly telling me like where I was going next. My calendar was insane but that's what's the good thing about having a co-chair we were kind of like making sure we were always checking in on each other because it was just so much going on yeah that definitely sounds like so much work I've always known that a lot goes into homecoming but just you giving that small short rundown lets me know that you probably run around sweating the whole week of homecoming (laughs) thank you so much for joining us though Trey and thank you so much for all of your hard work to put something like that together because that that sounds intense it really sounds like a lot of course So next up, Alexis, can you please tell us what the top five must-have songs for Homecoming are this year? Definitely say that Straightening by Migos is definitely at the top of the list. Um, Me and Sarah, we got to actually see them perform live at week zero for college game day. Seeing them live in person and also just being so close to them definitely showed a whole different side and also added a completely different energy um, to their songs when they're performing, especially because there's three of them. So you kind of get three times the energy when you're seeing different groups perform. Second, I would definitely say Essence by WizKid. Um, Any day party that plays the song, or even if I'm just driving on the way somewhere and it comes on the radio, it definitely gets me excited to go wherever I'm going. Um, Next, I would definitely say Special Remix by ESTG. Um, Calvin actually interviewed him, um, and that story is actually up on The Undefeated, if you guys want to check that out. That song, it just has so many different elements. Um, I definitely think it applies to girls and guys. It's just an overall greatly composed song. Next, I would definitely say Way Too Sexy by Drake. Um, Over the weekend, I was celebrating with one of my friends for their birthday and it actually came on where we were at for the first time so just seeing how everybody was reacting to it I definitely was like you know kudos to the DJ for making that you know going out on a limb and definitely playing that song and then lastly I would say HBCU is not anything without playing Daydreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Everyone knows the song from start to finish. You would think that they played a hand in writing the song by the way they just go crazy anytime that song comes on at any type of HBCU event. So yeah, so that's your top five. So, you know, hopefully we hope to see this as a part of your playlist. And definitely if you are trying to get ready to go out with one of your friends or even a group, this is definitely your go-to list.
Oh my gosh, I wish Homecoming was going to be in person so that I could hear all of these songs. But there you have it for our scoop on Homecoming. And here's Calvin with our bi-weekly HBCU Game of the Week. HBCU fans, we had a historical rivalry this weekend, and that was the Eagle Aggie Classic between North Carolina A&T and North Carolina Central. This was the 92nd meeting between the teams dating back to 1924. A&T led the series 51, 34, and 5 ties. Eagles won three straight in 2014 and 2016. But the Eagles, but A&T defeated the Eagles in the last two matchups. Besides the games, the coaching staff has ties with each other. North Carolina A&T's head coach, Sam Washington, was North Carolina Central's defensive coordinator when current North Carolina head coach, Trey Oliver, was a defensive back and punter for the Eagles from 1994 to 1997. With the relationship off the field, Oliver has said on numerous occasions that Washington is his mentor. So as a fan, you can expect the rivalry to intensify on game day. Before this matchup, a little background on both of the teams. North Carolina Central sat out 2020 due to COVID. Um, starting this season, they actually shocked the world in Atlanta on the upset against Alcorn State. Um, the, the following week, they lost their money game to Marshall. And then after the following week, they barely beat a Division II school in Winston-Salem, 20 to 17. Now looking at the A&T, Aggies, they lost their first two games. Um, but however, um, in one of their losses, they led Duke for the, for the first half before running out of gas over the final 30, 30 minutes. So I guess my final question um, to the two Aggies on this podcast, what was your favorite Aggie Eagle Classic as a student watching the game um, in the stands? I had a great time at both the Aggie U Classics. We used to do this really cool thing because um, I was in SUAB. We used to go and kind of do like a nice visit with the NCCU's uh, activities board. And they used to like show us their campus and the stuff that they did. And then we would go to the Aggie U Classic and we'd always win the couple times that I went. So, you know, I just always knew we were the superior school. But yeah, it was just always fun. The rivalry is just so real. Like we go at it so much and it's just so funny when we finally get to compete um, but it's just honestly such a good time and it feels like a little mini homecoming celebration still for me I would definitely say it's definitely a great experience um, I'm definitely more of a basketball girl so I look forward more to the basketball matchup but definitely the football matchup is always a good time that's it for today's episode to our audience, thank you for tuning in to us once again. We're super excited for all of you to listen to our next episode. This show is produced by Alexis Davis, and I, Sarah Jones Smith, have been your host. We'd like to give a very special thanks to Trey Ingram for taking the time to be with us and for sharing his experiences, and extra thanks to Parker Owens and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.